You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, podcast listeners, Adam Tarno here. Once again, we got back in studio with us, Jonathan Pecluda, JP, uh, one of the board members here at Better Man, also the senior pastor of Harris Creek Baptist Church down in Waco, Texas, author of three books. You can just go out to Amazon, put his name in there. You'll see him. They're all right there. Welcome to adulting, welcoming the church and outdated. So JP and I sit down today and we have a conversation about something that all men struggle with or every man faces, and that is temptation. Temptation. It's one of those churchy words that gets thrown out a lot. Uh, we all kind of know what it's like to be tempted, uh, maybe to get angry or to be tempted to eat an extra Pop-Tart or have that extra Krispy Kreme donut. Uh, and so we can talk about it a little bit casually, but this this temptation is real and it has serious implications in the life of a man. And so JP has some incredibly helpful insights as we open up God's Word and look at what temptation is, give a good definition around that, and then more importantly, how can we battle temptation? So I'm excited for you guys to listen to this uh, interview with him. So take a listen, and then I'll come back with a few closing comments. All right, JP, good to have you back in studio again today with us. Thank you for having me back, brother. All right. Hey, you're looking good. Hey, thanks, man. You still taking care of yourself? Well, I just had a, a um, monumental birthday, 40 years old, and every monumental birthday, I feel like I have some significant health issues. And so around 40, I got COVID. Uh, <laughs> That's around, significant. Around 30, I was in the hospital with a kidney stone, and they did a CAT scan, and and she came back and said, "Hey, you have a fatty liver, which is a, evidently a legit medical term that feels so made liver. up." Yeah, pre-diabetes. She said, "You're pre-diabetes." I'm like, "Isn't everybody pre-diabetes? <laughs> like, aren't you pre-diabetes till you have diabetes?" Yeah. But anyway, so it's just like trying to man, trying to stay in the game, take care of myself. All right. So, so you hear about fatty liver? What I hear of with that, think of with that, is like for some reason I think of like a chef with pate or something oh, like that. Man. They would love to have a fatty goose liver <laughs> right. to make something uh, good to eat. But I would imagine if you hear that from a medical professional, that is a little bit of a wake-up call, right? So how did you handle that? Yeah, man, it was it was just, you know, they said, hey, you're, you're eating too much sugar, which was true because, like, I love desserts. I don't discriminate, you know, chocolate, candy, <laughs> uh, cake, cookies, pies, all kinds of candy, like unless there's coconut in there, because that's a salad, like a chocolate covered <laughs> salad. Uh, and so, you know, I so I did a bet with my friend yeah. Scott, our friend Scott. We both know Scott. I said uh, we had to go one year with no desserts, and if one of us ate one, uh, we'd have to pay the other one a hundred dollars. And the second we made that bet, Adam, I mean, desserts were coming out the woodworks. I was just like walking around <laughs> and people were offering me candy. Like I thought he was setting them up yeah. to it. You know, Monica and I went to like a nice date. It was like an anniversary date at a nice restaurant and we eat this amazing meal. And towards the end of it, the the server comes up and just sets down in front of me this, this most, the most amazing piece of chocolate cake you could possibly imagine. And he just says, hey, I've been, he says some kind things like, hey, I've been impacted by your ministry and, you know, this is on the house. And I just sat there and I <laughs> stared at that cake and I was just like, oh my goodness. You know, I was like, well, oh, thank you very much. You know, did, did Scott set you up to this? And and Monica's like looking at me like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to pay Scott a hundred dollars. Yeah, you are. That's <laughs> exactly I'm, I'm right. going to eat this. But it's just, it's funny the way that that works. Like when we try not to do something that we're constantly tempted to it. I mean, you're, you're reading my mail. Jackie and I had just decided to do a no sugar thing for 30 days. And the second day, yeah. uh, her mom comes over with an apple pie that she made. And yeah. I, I mean, I've been married uh, almost 18 years, a little over 17 years, and I just have a rule. 
whatever her mother-in-law makes, I eat. Yeah. And so Jackie told me, she was like, yeah, my mom's bringing over an apple pie. And I'm like, well, it looks like we start tomorrow then yeah. because I'm eating that apple pie yeah, tonight. Just send it that does, to my house. but it is ironic when you say you're not going to do something, it just seems to come out of the woodwork. And and really, and you mentioned the word there, it just, it becomes tempting. Yeah. And that's why we start with all that because that's what we want to talk about today because there, if there's something that all humans struggle with, uh, it's temptation. But specifically, I think the temptations that men face especially now in 2021. Uh, some of it's new, some of it's different, some of it's old, uh, but it is it is here. And there's not much else that can take a man out more than uh, an unhealthy relationship with things that tempt him, right? Yeah, and this is the thing that we, we see in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. I mean, it really is this consistent um, theology that is presented to us through the scriptures and the thing that I think we leave out when we talk about temptation is really the enemy's role. Like there is there is an enemy. There's this narrative in the Bible that there was this angel that instead of he didn't want to worship God, he wanted to be God, he fell from heaven. He's he's here in a way we're a part of this cosmic experiment. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, that that Satan is here on the earth. The scripture calls him the God of this world, the prince of, of this air. And and he's trying to lure us away from God. And we see that in the Garden of Eden when God says, hey, here, you can have everything. You know, enjoy all of my creation. I've made it in perfection. Just don't eat the fruit of that one tree. And that's where the enemy comes in and says, oh, man, he's not a good God. He's trying to keep good from you. Mm. He doesn't want you to be like him. He knows if you eat of it, you'll have a greater knowledge. And he begins to lie to us, and he begins to, to twist Scripture. And, and then they eat that fruit, and the world as we know it is fractured. And so now we face temptation every day. It's almost like when you walk through the midway, yep. uh, by the midway, you know, like at the carnival where they have the games and, you know, like, hey, big guy, come over here, you know, just throw a ball up against this, you win a prize for the little lady, you know, and yep. everybody's yelling at you, everybody's shouting at you, everywhere you turn, they're trying to get you over to their game. And that's what I feel like the enemy is doing for us as men is, is like, hey, come here, man. Just hey, go to work a little bit later. And ah, you don't need to work out today. No big deal. Hey, have another drink, man. Have a, just, just have another drink. It's not a big deal. Hey, go to that website. Hey, click on that hashtag. Hey, just look at that a little longer. No big deal. Hey, hey, just watch the game. It's just the game. Men all over the world are watching the game. You, so good. you should be able to come home after work and just veg out. You, you deserve some time to yourself. Hey, you don't need to play with the kids. You don't need to go out in the backyard. You're a good dad. You're a fine dad. You're not trying to be a superstar, right? These are the things that that we're constantly, the lies that we're constantly tempted to believe. Now, what I'm not saying when I enter, when I bring in the topic of spiritual warfare, I'm not saying in any way that we're not culpable for the decisions we make. It's not like the devil made me do it. No, he, no, he didn't. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. And so what that scripture says is we never have to succumb to temptation. We always have a way out out. But, but the thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately is the enemy's role in temptation. And, and so we call that, it's, it's one of those words that, that's going to make half of our listeners probably really excited mm -hmm. and the other half uh, tempted to cut it off, you right. know, and be <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I don't want to listen to that. They're, they're going charismatic on us. And, and no, no, we're not. But it's, it's spiritual warfare. And here's how, I would, here's how I would say I think about spiritual warfare, Adam. 
you know, I've been a Christian for 18 years and I've been, I've been going to church my entire life, but I've been following Jesus for 18 years. And I feel like if Christianity was a house, right. And, and so on the, it's a house and, and there's, you know, you think of the, the significant doctrines or rooms on the first floor. I would think spiritual warfare is one of those rooms on the first floor. I don't know if it's a bathroom or a guest bedroom, you know, or, or what it is, but I, it's a significant room in the house, and it's one that I don't really want to look in. Like, I kinda, I'll, I'll look in the Christology, I'll look in the, the Bibliology, the Soteriology. I don't want to look in the room that is, is, is talking about spiritual warfare because I just can't understand it. And a friend recently said, is like, well, I just don't feel like the Bible says a lot about it. And I'm like, man, if we're reading the same Bible, I think the Bible says more about it than it does marriage. You know, the Bible says a lot about it. And so there's there's something to us being every time we wake up as men and we go in the world, we're stepping into a war zone. And I think to be victorious in that war, we have to be aware of it. Yeah. Why do you think it is? And I'm totally just asking for your opinion here, you know, just some of your thoughts uh, on this, because uh, I've had, you know, as you're talking about this, I'm having the same thoughts about the audience right now. I'm just going, there's going to be some that heard devil, spiritual warfare, and it just, it's going to bifurcate the, the the audience. There's going to be some over here that are going, that's crazy. I don't want to talk about that. There's going to be some that are going, yes, finally, you know, finally, that's right. Why, why does this seem to be, uh, why, why do you think there are some people that get uneasy when we talk about this subject? And then on the flip side, why do you think there are some that maybe uh, that's all they want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, there's a theologian that compares Satan to, a, and I don't remember the theologian's name, otherwise I would give him credit right here. But he, uh, he compares Satan to a lizard that exists in Arizona. This is a real lizard. And it, it, this lizard has two tactics to avoid its enemy. It either plays dead or it, it puffs itself up really much to be much bigger than he is. Okay. And he says that the average Christian views Satan in one of those two errors. They either they've either killed him, like he does he has no impact on my life whatsoever. Like, you know, we're not gonna talk about him. He, he doesn't I, I can pretend like he doesn't exist. Yeah. Or I made him much bigger than he is and I walk in fear of him and it's the devil's you know, behind every bush and whatnot. And so I that 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 dichotomy is, is I think, what we do, and, and probably the biggest influence is the church that we grew up in. That's good. And so if you grew up in, in a, a church that addresses this, um, maybe makes too much of this, you know, the, maybe they had a, a deliverance service or, or something along those lines, then, then you're going to be in one camp, or maybe you're healing from that, that's going to put you in another camp. And if your church never addressed it, then you're going to be like, that's weird, and I don't want to go in that room, and let's just keep the door shut. Yeah, and so that's probably the biggest influence on our theology is just our upbringing. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. But um, but you're right; it's in God's word, and if we want to be men of God's word, then we can't ignore this theme that is there over and over again. And so I know you recently spent some time in Matthew chapter four, looking at Jesus being tempted in the desert, and there are some things that we can learn in our daily interactions and battles with temptation that'll be really helpful there. But 
Let's do this. Uh, like, How would you define what temptation is? Because I think that'll be helpful. Yeah, temptation is simply a proposition not to trust God. All right, say that again. I like that. Okay, temptation is a proposition not to trust God. It is it is us given an option, or given a, it is us given options, and one of those options is not trusting God. Mm. And so that is temptation, right? That and and we know that God tests us. And in fact, in Matthew 4 it says the spirit uh, led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted and it separates spirit from from Satan and so we can uh, believe reasonably that the spirit is is God's spirit the same spirit that said this is my son with whom I am well pleased when he was baptized in Matthew chapter 3 and so uh, God tests us and and the enemy tempts us and and so what I think that temptation looks like when the enemy's involved is he just whispers lies to us he says that's the way to go he says you can eat from this tree, you, you, God's trying to withhold goodness to you from you. Rather, he, you can. Um, it, it's okay to be selfishly ambitious. Like you deserve that promotion. They, they don't respect you. They don't, you know. And he just begins to say those things. And when we begin to believe those things, we've fallen to temptation. Yeah. And so we have to learn how to resist that. And I think he can tempt us in lots of ways. What you see in Matthew chapter 4, I think, is a, is a really good a really good categories for uh, this, the same offense that he runs with us is he tempted he tempts Jesus with his desires because Jesus is hungry. He hasn't eaten for, for 40 days. He's been fasting. And he says, here, you can have some food, right? You don't need to do this. You can have some food. And then he, he, he tempts Jesus with power. He says, "Hey, look, right? The, you, you should do. You you should show yourself as miraculous. You should do something really neat. Come on, uh, give the people what they want." And then he tempts Jesus with with the world, which is really a shortcut because essentially what he's saying is, "You don't have to endure the cross." That's right. You, your your father has has given me this world right now, and I'm willing to give it to you if you'll just worship me. Yeah. Right. And and as you think about the 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 temptations that men are are tempted to fall into i th- i think about the desires of our flesh yeah. right and we we talked about one time on here about pornography a lust um the the more money materialism the the things that we naturally want like food you know for me desserts right right that that is something that i can be tempted with i think about how men are tempted toward more power like we we don't want to worship god we want to be god we we want to fight him for the throne we we want people to worship us we want to have lots of followers uh, we want to be liked we, we want to have the corner office we want to drive the the nicest car we want to be kings we want to live in this world like there's not another world yep. like this world is all that we have and then thirdly i think we are often tempted to take shortcuts right like it's like Fine, I know that that's going to happen one day, but I want that today. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm tempted to cheat on my taxes, or I'm tempted to, to fudge the numbers. Uh, I'm tempted to twist the truth. I'm tempted to leave that out because I can get what is promised to me faster. That's so good. And it's the same things that Jesus faced in the wilderness when he's conversing with the prince of darkness, Satan himself. I like that. So desires of the flesh. So that was like the food, um, shortcuts, which is I'm going to do some selfish things for my own, my own good, or I'm going to, uh, just break the rules a little bit here in power. 
Uh, I like all three of those. That, that really is helpful. And I think those categories are helpful as people walk out there in the world and the men walk out there in the world and we go, all right, well, how am I going to get attacked? What, where are these temptations going to come? It's there. Where I also see this temptation, though, and where would this fall on the three here? I've got an idea of where I think I'd put it, but there is just this desire for rest and apathy, mm-hmm. right? Like I uh, deserve to do nothing right now. Uh, men want to go into the nothing box. We want to veg out and watch the game. We want to we want to not lead sometimes, right? Or often. Yeah. Um, where would you put that in in that list of three? It's interesting. So, uh, you know, I think that that apathy is what we see in the garden initially, right? When um, when man sat idly by, when woman take took the fruit and offered it to him, uh, the sin of Adam, right? Apathy. I, I, you know, I, I hope this isn't a cop out, but I would put in all three. Okay. Because we desire apathy, um, we believe that it comes with power. Like if I could just control my own schedule and have whatever I wanted, then I, I would, I could just take life easy and sit on the beach, you know, and and then it's also a shortcut. Because think about how asinine it is that Satan would offer Jesus the world. You know, mm. Abraham Kuyper says, there's not a square inch over all of creation which Jesus does not hover over and cry out mine. Like like Colossians says, all things are created by him and for him, right? And so it's crazy, ludicrous that Satan would say, hey, all of this could be yours if you just worship me. It, it's, it's his and it's going to be his forevermore, but he just has to endure the cross. And, and so we look at that and we like, that's crazy, right? We, you know, as we read the Bible, we're like, that's crazy. Jesus is never going to fall for that. But we do mm. because God has said, hey, you're going to be with me in paradise forevermore. Uh, eternal riches and eternal glories are yours forevermore in my presence where there's no hurting, uh, no sadness, no sickness, you know, no heartbreak. That's coming to you. You just have to endure the world. Hmm. And anybody would say, well, we can do that. We can do that. We yeah. can, sure, I can have a bad day to have the rest of my life be awesome. But then we don't. Then we, we take the shortcuts and we think, no, I just I want to veg out, man. I'm, I'm entitled to that. I right. like that. I like your answer. I was going to put it under power. For some reason, I was uh, thinking of like Job of the Hut. You know yeah, that he just yeah. gets to sit there yeah. and do nothing, and he has all the power. Uh, that was the ultimate expression of power: was apathy yeah. that you get to do nothing, and and that's where I was going to uh, going to put that. So, You're certainly not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I like yours too. That it is. It's in. It's all three. So I, I know this question used to come up uh, often, especially when I was doing college ministry, and you start your eyes at that age for some of those. Uh, those young men, their eyes were starting to open to the power of temptation in their life, and and more importantly, starting to understand they had a choice. Yeah. Right. Because I like what you're saying there that it you are given the proposition. Yeah. To to not obey God. So, and one of the questions that would pop up is this: Is temptation a sin? Yeah. How would you answer that? Yeah. So Monica and I just got back from celebrating an anniversary in Mexico, and and we were you know specifically on the beach and. On the beach in Mexico, there is temptation everywhere, and so there are just there are women wearing not very much clothes right. everywhere, and and I was talking with her about it. You know, she she kindly asked how I was doing with that, and 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 I said, you know, it's hard for me to know where sin starts because it's kind of like when you see somebody wearing something crazy, and you notice it, and I'm not. It's not a lustful thought. I'm right. not. I'm not running to thinking extremely explicit things. Sometimes, I mean, I, I have, but sometimes it's just like a noticing of like that's a crazy bathing suit. Like, what is she thinking? Does she not know modest is hottest? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, 
And and I would liken it to like if somebody walked in with like a, a crazy tattoo on their face. Yeah. You you're gonna notice it, and it's not a lustful thought. It's just like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Hmm, look at that. You know. And and so I was, I was like, when does that? When does sin start? And James talks about this, right? Like, like thought gives birth to temptation, gives birth to sin. It's when we, it's when we, and he uses this um, conception language, you know, it's like birthing language. And it's when we, we take the proposition to not trust God and we begin to entertain the option that is not trusting God. Yep. That's when sin is birthed. That's good. Right? And so it's when we start to say, Huh, it's so, you know, yeah, that is a crazy bathing suit, not sin. Okay. And I wonder what she's willing to do. Sin. Yep. And I wonder if I still got it. You yep. know, if I can still, I wonder if, she, I wonder if she'd like, okay, now, now I'm, now what I've done, and to go back in the spiritual realm, I've been, I've, the scripture says, given the enemy a foothold. Mm. Think about it like uh, what I've done is I've cracked the door open and he put his foot inside inside the door and he's like oh okay all right you're you're open to me you know enticing you here yeah you you have a chink in your armor right you have a soft spot in your armor let's let's think about that i don't think your wife would care if you have these thoughts and and as long as you keep them to yourself yeah and he and he starts to lie yep. to you. That's as what he does. As long as you don't act on it. Yeah, him, he's right? a liar, and so he he just wants to slowly lure you away. First Peter five says he's he's like a lion seeking to devour you, and and you know what happens? Like so, think of him like a cat, like a lion. That's what the scripture calls him. When you feed a stray animal, they found a home. Hmm. You know, when you starve them, they go somewhere else. But when you feed them, they say, "Oh, this is, this is a place where I can hang okay, out." Okay, so this is uh, I've had rats in my attic, yeah, right. Same, and same. Uh, the very first thing that they ask you to do is, "Where are they getting their food?" Okay, and my wife and I, we had put right out in front of our, uh, right outside our window by our dining room table, we had set a bird feeder because with the young kids at the time, and it was just fun to see birds over there. And the bird seed, of course, goes everywhere because there's squirrels. Come to find out. That also attracted the rats. And then the rats were like, oh, here's food. Oh, guess what? We just go over there. There's shelter. Take away the food. Never had a rat problem since, right? And so to your point there, you starve the wild animal and they go find food somewhere else. Yeah, they, they found a home, right? And the enemy works the same way. And I'm not, I, I know that can be weird for us to think about, but here's another metaphor that I've found helpful is, is Satan works like Netflix, you know, like I you, think I know where you're going. You Keep going. Netflix, yeah. yeah. So it's it's just like what Netflix does. What is it? What do they call that? Search. It's like it's not search optimization algorithm. The, yeah. Uh, the, when yeah. they have those algorithms and they know what you looked at, so they give you more of that. Yeah. You know, you watch The Office, and they're like, "Hey, have you seen the movie Office Space?" And you might like this sitcom. And what about this comedy? And and so you know when your kids are are consuming your Netflix right and, and on your account and they it's like hey you like Dora the Explorer yeah. watch this here's watch Daniel this. Tiger and that's yeah. right <laughs> you know you like Seinfeld here's Friends and they get they begin to present to you more of what you watch and and so it's it's the same way with sin when we look at if you if you look at pornography or or let's just go we'll leave pornography alone for a minute and go Amazon. Hey, I'm going to buy this. Well, you should buy this and this and this, mm-hmm. right? You, you, well, I'm going to go here. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to feed this thought that uh, of entitlement that my boss never notices me. 
and I, I never get a promotion or, or this never goes my way. And, and it's just like, oh, okay, that's what you think. Let me feed you these nuggets of despair. Let me feed you more. Let me tell you why you deserve better, why you should be somewhere else. And, and you know, I don't know if I love my wife anymore. Yeah, because she's difficult to love. And you know who would be easy to love and you you know what you deserve. And, and they just, they begin to feed you more and more of those lies. And so that's why we have to be careful not to give the enemy a foothold, not to entertain the option that is to not trust God. Yeah, I love that. To trust it, God. And and to the point there, it's custom tailored. I mean, it, it truly, it's, it's the best algorithm. Google hasn't even cracked this algorithm that the enemy has on presenting you with customized or customized options That's right. to tempt uh, to tempt you, and you know, and I think this is worth noting here. Um, I have never heard uh, Satan's audible voice, yeah. right? And, and have you? No. Okay. So most of the time, the voice, you know, what it sounds like, mine. Yeah. Right. The same time, if I feel the Lord moving me in a direction, yeah. uh, the voice sounds like mine. And so a lot of this happens with some of this, it's uh, some of this self-talk. It's right. you, it's That's you right. and your thoughts yeah. giving entertainment to these things. And sometimes those are going to lead towards life. And sometimes you cross that line from wow, that's a weird tattoo to, I wonder. Yeah. And, and that's where it crosses this line and goes over there. Someone commented on a, on a post because I, I was writing about the limitations of Satan because I've always wondered, what can the enemy do? Right. So like if I'm taking a friend to church that morning that's never been to church and I go to my car and, and my battery's dead and, I'm, and somebody's like, well, Satan did that. I'm like, can he actually do that? Like, right. How does he, Satan drain a battery? <laughs> like, yeah. how does that work, you know? And so I was, I was started to explore the scriptures to see uh, the limitations of Satan. And somebody commented on there, and they said, he, he speaks to you in the first-person narrative. And so I said, that's an interesting concept, and I've heard that before. Can you, you know, prove it biblically? And so I was actually talking to our friend Blake about this. Yeah. And I think it, it's a safe realm to say he can, like he sometimes, right? And I'll just, I'll answer the question, like what can Satan do? And this is another podcast, Yeah. but anything God lets him do, hmm. right? Because God is still sovereign over Satan. We see that in the book of Job. Um, and, and I know that that messes with our theology, but that's why we're going to give you here a second the solution to overcoming temptation is to understanding the goodness of God and trusting the promises of God. That's right. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, you talked about James and this uh, this metaphor that he uses of conception and birth. And then I also like, I think it's helpful the way James uses language there. Uh, he kind of switches his metaphor and now goes to this hunting language, yeah, lured you know, away. the lure, luring away. And I remember uh, early in my walk with Christ, having somebody teach me some of these principles that you're talking about right now. And for some reason, what really resonated with me was that hunting language and specifically thinking about fishing. You know, my the, over quarantine, fishing was huge with my my boys. We fished a lot. And, and really, when you're fishing, you're lying to fish. That's right. You're saying, here's a fake thing, or here's something that you think is going to be food that's not. I'm lying to you. And the goal is to hide the hook. That's right. But there's always a hook. That's right. You know, and that was really helpful for me to, as I started to look at some of these areas that I had been so tempted in, whether it be materialism or lust or um, just pride or arrogance, whatever it is, just going, there's a hook in all of those. There always is. Maybe the first nibble, there's not. Yeah. But eventually, 
it's going to get me yeah. and it's going to take me away. You taught on this, didn't you? One time you hide a hook in a Twinkie. I do. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Hostess cupcakes. Yeah. I hide it in there, there and break it open and uh, it blows the college students' minds. Who, who uh, wants to, to see eat that. a cupcake with a hook in it? That's right. Nobody. But, but, but we you, assume it doesn't have it. That's why, that's why we entertain the yes. thought and we'll be dragged away. Yeah. But at the same time, we all have scars, Yeah. right? We all have scars in our mouth where we, we bit the, uh, we, we took a bite out of the cupcake thinking it's just this one time. Yeah. And it got us right, and uh, and and so I think that's where every man is nodding their head in agreement of just going, okay. It's and sometimes uh, I'm sure I haven't read the book, but in like the Art of War or something out there, you have to learn your enemy's tactics. That's right. You've got to know. And so some of this, what we're trying to do is just go. This is the way it works. This yeah. is the way it works out there, so that you can have a battle tactic and know what to do. So let's just wrap up with this last this last idea of all right. So how do you battle temptation? That's what right. do you do? So what Satan does in Genesis chapter. Three and what he does in Matthew chapter four, uh, where we see two situations where a, a, a person is conversing with Satan himself, is he takes scripture and he twists it. Mm. You know, I don't know how many of our listeners right now have memorized Psalm ninety-one or could quote Psalm ninety-one from memory. But the devil can, mm. and he shows us that in the scripture that he he knows it. He knows the word of God, and and so the the way and he's a liar. We know that that his native tongue is lying. Like he speaks lies to us, so that we will try to believe them. He says that the option to not trust God is the best option, mm. and if you do not know the truth, you will believe that that's the best option. And so what Jesus does is he responds to the enemy when he when he propositions him. Uh, Jesus responds with a memory verse from Deuteronomy chapter 8, and then Satan comes at him again and tempts him. He responds with a a memory verse from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and then he responds again with a memory verse from, again, Deuteronomy. Now, imagine if the only way that we're going to overcome sin today is to respond with a memory verse from Deuteronomy. Like, how well (laughs) would we do, you know? Not very well. And, And it's and that's the reality is is if you think that uh, if you know the truth, if you've walked intimacy intimately with the Father and you've written his word on your heart, then what that does is you can begin to identify the lies and you can begin to walk in the truth. And I know that sounds like cliche pastor language, but it's quite literal. Like when you like like give me a lie. What what's a lie that the enemy might tell me? Uh, it's just one time. Uh, it's just you know you make enough money, you'll be able to go buy so you, you can make more money. And so this is this purchase is okay. So if he says you know yeah you can make more money, it's you know it's an issue of discontentment. In in First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Timothy six, he says, uh, you know, whoever loves money will never have enough. With food and clothing, we should be content with these. In Ecclesiastes, it says that it will sprout wings and and fly away. Um, it, it says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so, I if I have these scriptures hidden in my heart, when the enemy comes at me with a lie, I can I can combat them with the scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 6, it's a chapter talking about spiritual warfare, and it gives us the armor of God. This is the armor of God chapter, and you only have one offensive weapon, like one weapon you can use on the offense, and that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Mm. The way that you slay the enemy is with the Word of God. The Bible makes this clear. That's why I'm telling you, this isn't pastor talk. When, when your child, when your when your seven-year-old says, Daddy, I just don't understand. Why do I have to learn the Bible? I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. 
a key reason uh, beyond understanding the gospel narrative, understanding the, the narrative of God that we live in, a key reason to know the word of God is so that we can walk in the ways of God and defend ourselves against the enemies of God. Oh, that's good. This is true. This is factual. It, it is sound theology. It is true to the Bible. The way that we fight the lies of Satan is to know the scriptures. And so you have to be men of the word. Like this morning, I don't know what your routine looks like. I don't know if you woke up this morning and you read in the scriptures, but but you have to. Like you, you, I'm telling you, for you to be victorious over temptation, you have to know the word of God. And I'll just say this, not to shame you and not to, to hurt you in any way, but, but there are people listening that, that you're not dealing with temptation because you've fully given yourself to it. Mm. You don't have the scriptures to combat it, and, and you, are, you have been lured away in ways you're not even aware of because you're so entangled in sin. And, and the, a, a solution, a good first step is to begin to feast on the word of God to taste and see that he is good. Amen. I love it. So it is, it, it, in some ways it is that simple. You just open up and you just start to read it, you know? And, uh, and listen, I, I can understand that there's probably people that are going, Adam, I've never read God's word I, I, or I've tried and it's confusing. Great. So then maybe your first step, go to Amazon and buy this book called Living by the Book yeah. by a guy named Dr. Howard Hendricks, who's passed away. He teaches the simplest way on how to read God's Word. It's a, it, it's a confusing book at sometimes. It's all kinds of different literature, it, and uh, it was written in a language that we don't talk nowadays, you know, and so there's some translate. We have really great translations, but it can be a little tricky just to try to figure out what's narrative and what's poetry, and then what's an epistle, and then this one sounds like they're just talking to a person. Living by the Book is a great resource to help you go to your church, go to your pastor, and just go up after your pastor's done preaching and just say, I want to know this book more, yeah. right? And if he doesn't have anything to help you with, um, then maybe you need to go find another church yeah. that will well, help you yeah, with that. Hopefully your pastor is, <laughs> is willing to point you to you. a resource. I know of one, BibleReadingPlan.com. It, it just has a, a daily reading and a commentary underneath that. I know of, of JoinTheJourney.org. There's there's lots of these out there that that you will find to be healthy uh, or helpful, rather. You, you need a, a time, a place, and a plan. And uh, and if you didn't have that this morning, just just tomorrow, think okay, what's where's my time? When am I going to read? What's my place? Where am I going to read? And then what is my plan? Uh, and and begin to read the Word of God so that you can overcome the temptation of the enemy, the proposition not to trust God, because today you have been propositioned not to trust God, and tomorrow you will be propositioned not to trust God. And and as men, we want to be victorious in that. JP, once again, always great having you in studio. Thank you so much for making time for us today. If you guys want to learn more about JP, just head on over to harriscreek.org. All kinds of info over there. You can listen to other sermons, read some blogs, all that kind of great stuff. If you guys would like to learn more about how to bring the Better Man 11-week experience to your church or your community, please visit betterman.com. Today's episode, as always, was mixed and edited by the amazing team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we have for today. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.